something that you guys need to know about Ryan. He's an extremely prideful person and <laughs> looks down on me. He looks down on me as a prideful person. And so when I help him, which is often, he has a very hard time acknowledging that <laughs> publicly to other people. What up, Russ? What's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing, man? I just, you're just happy we're back. I'm happy, dude. I'm happy to be back. Ryan Check. Mayfield, the man, the myth, the legend. What's up, buddy? Just hanging out. Ryan, Ryan welcome you, back. Ryan, where are you chiming in from, man? Uh, I'm in the bottom of a well in Arkansas. Bottom of a well in Arkansas. Well, actually, you don't sound like you're in the bottom of a well anymore because you got that good, good microphone. Mm. Yeah. Got that good, good. The one that Russ told me about, right? That's right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's right. Russ told you about. Something that you guys need to know about Ryan, he's an extremely prideful person and <laughs> looks down on me. He looks down on me as a prideful person. And so when I help him, which is often, he has a very hard time acknowledging that <laughs> publicly to other people. Right. But the good news for Ryan is that God loves him in spite of his pride. And by a work of God's grace and his spirit in my heart, I do too. So Ryan, you're welcome here, man. Mm. You, know, you are super prideful and can admit that I help you often. <laughs> One of the things that people listening don't need me to explain is how full of it Tony is. Very true. Very true. Yeah. I remember hearing Tony in a conversation uh, a week ago, just bragging about Ryan because Tony's got two new cohorts that are up and running, a bunch of leaders from different parts of the country. And he's like, man, if Ryan wasn't jumping in, dude, and helping at an <laughs> operational level, I'd still be emailing people trying to get these things nailed down. It's true. It's true. Well, again, you guys are proving my point that I actually am able to compliment people who help me, <laughs> like Ryan, who can. Okay, Ryan, Table Talk Development, one of the organization that, that, uh, that you started where you're training a number of people in and around the Enneagram, right, and its implications of self mm -hmm. and work and life, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I know you speak at events and colleges and businesses and churches. Um, so, you know, you're pretty well-versed in these things. No, well what enough. Is, yeah, so just out of curiosity, like, what, what does the Enneagram say about a guy that um, just always has to turn a conversation back to himself? Man, there's just a lot of insecurity there. <laughs> a lot of insecurity there. I can't really... Good. We need to press in on Russ right now. <laughs> This is really good. This we, is got a break, we got a breakthrough moment. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. All right, cool. So as promised, as advertised, 
jumping yes. into a second part of um, a conversation we started last week, um, rooted in our reclaim training, um, the reclaim journey, we also refer to it as. Really, we're just yeah. putting a language in people's hands to navigate gospel conversations um, and just being a neighbor in this world, especially among those uninterested in the church. Right. And um, seems like we, we got the language down uh, while we're in the four walls with people that believe like us um, and sound like us, um, but most um, struggle to just connect with their neighbors. And so we're just getting kicked off here. Reclaim one, part two, focusing on this idea of who is Jesus. The first conversation focused in on Jesus is, is life. Like there is no life outside of him. And today we're kind of really focusing in on this idea of him as a reconciler. And so in Colossians 1, what's the thing, Russ, that we really point out and really draw out in Colossians 1 in terms of God's reconciling work? Yeah, it's just, you know, reading things right there in its full context. And so when we dive into Colossians 1, as we talked about, you know, in our last episode, we see the creator sustainer, right, of all things. But he moves on and says that he's the reconciler of all things, making peace by the blood of his cross. And so he's not just, you know, we often talk about Jesus and, and just who he is, which is the conversation that we're reclaiming right now. Just because so many people, the, the story that they've been handed about who God is and what he's like um, can oftentimes be so foreign to, to what the scriptures actually say about Jesus. And so what we're seeing here is that he's, that he's the center of all things, right? So, and as we've already, one of the things, Tony, that you've already made known is, you know, that people find their very existence, their purpose, their fulfillment, right? And amen. But there's a problem, right? Reality and perception really line up. So prior to Copernicus, right, the earth was believed to be the center of the universe. And so for hundreds of years, we perceived something to be true when in actuality it was false. So no matter how many refused, you know, Copernicus's, you know, astronomical uh, model, reality reigned. And just as we say, like, regardless of how many persist in the belief of their own centrality, right, Jesus reigns. And so Jesus freely gave himself to rescue this hell-bent world, right? A world that often thrives in, in this myth of independence. So the supposed freedom of life on our own terms is sort of a remarkable and unfathomable, as we say in Reclaim One. For while we were still sinners, right? Romans 5.8, Christ died for us. It's while we were still sinners, not when we got our act together, Jesus did this, but while we were still sinners, he reconciled all things, making peace by the blood of his cross. So it's crazy to think that uh, the very breath that's used to say, Jesus, I love you, or Jesus, I reject you, is provided by him who right, gives breath. Mm. And so where I feel like all this sort of comes to a head, which is where we're going today, is there's no escaping his presence. There's no hiding from his sight. He is relentless in his loving pursuit of people not only can forgiveness right be found in Christ, but also life itself for he is life. And so we sort of take this and man, we, we bring it together. And I, and I feel like at the, at the heart of seeing this, at the heart of talking about this is this question for lots of people in the world that are in and around us. And that's this question of, you know, in relation to who Jesus is, is this good news or is it perceived right as good news? Yeah, I think that that's a really important question. Um, yeah, is it good news? Is it a reality, a fixed right. reality, something that's already true 
um, regardless of your position or thoughts or ideas about his reconciling work aside, um, even if, even if you didn't exist, did God indeed crucify and resurrect the world all at once in his son and do things currently stand right now, as we sit here and do this podcast, do they stand reconciled all things in heaven and on earth? So when we're sharing, when we're walking with, and we're, we're conversing with people, do we have actual fixed real good news to share? Or is it like, Hey man, this might or potentially could be good news for you, but it just depends on how, right. A move that you make Mm. or a move you don't make. And that's not to say that we don't believe in the reality of faith. And we're going to get into that a little bit uh, later on, no doubt. But I think the thing that we're really bringing up here is God's done something, right? Yeah. Like this is, it's not just potential good news, right? It's, it is good news. That's what you're saying. And so, okay. So where do we go from here then? What, what are some of the implications of this? How does this help us um, as people who are navigating this world? How do we share this? Yeah, I think, um, you know, as we, as we sort of sit in and around this, the, the place that, that I like to kick things off as far as conversation goes is in the parable of the net. I know the parable of the net was definitely a blue square for me about five years ago. Mm, me too, um, man. I spent uh, a number of when years. When you shared it with me. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, I mean, even for See me. That just Ryan, that's that. called credit. That's called acknowledging. That, oh, that's how you do it? Helps oh. you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's. You like, uh, that? you like that fruit I just bore there? I give, I give <laughs> Russ credit for stuff all the time, Tony. <laughs> Parable of the net. Love that one. Just a fun one. It is a fun one, man. And I just remember just spending years in ministry around this idea of kingdom, right? Kingdom ethics, kingdom practices, bringing the kingdom, building the kingdom, et cetera. And like just this real blue square moment and and pressing in on this conversation of kingdom for me, because on one hand, I was sharing it as, man, this is real good news, but it really just felt a lot more like potential good news for people if they could grab onto A, B, and C. And then go and walk in D, E, and F, right? Like if you can get these things together in belief and behavior, well, then this is good news. But the reality is, man, like looking at that parable of the net in, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 47, and Jesus says, you know, hey, the kingdom of heaven, you know, is like a net that was thrown into the sea and it gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, he says that men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. He says, uh, the angels will come out and separate, right? The evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. And, you know, and in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, if we kind of stop there and look at the bottom of this, I mean, we can get in and around a number of conversations and different views of, you know, is the gnashing of teeth and the weeping, right? Because of, uh, people missing out on the party is, is, you know, is that just like the agonizing of being able to look at, at people that are enjoying a feast and you're on the outside of it? Um, you know, is it a literal hell? Is it not Francis Chan, Rob Bell, et cetera. Again, myriad of conversations around that. 
But for us, the, the point that we dive into just as a network in this, are some of the things that we can definitely know for sure, right? Some of the things that aren't quite as debatable. And that's just the fact that Jesus is the kingdom is like this net. And the word that he uses for the word net here is a specific type of drag net that's going to like literally grab, it grabs everything, he says. Beer yeah, can, foods and all. Commercial fishing versus like commercial fishing. Shore to shore, right? Bottom of the, you know, dredging the bottom, dude, getting the dirt, the cans, the caps, you know what I mean? You name it. And this kingdom is going to literally pull everything to shore. But what I love here that we can know for sure in this text is Jesus himself says that in the end, he will decide what is and what isn't. And he even says that he will deploy his angels to take care of that business. Nowhere does he employ us in the meantime on this side of the veil to get involved in deciding what is and what isn't and who's in and who's out. And notice he's that's determining the good and the bad. He's the one that's saying what's good and what's bad. And if you know anything about the story of Jesus, when he shows up, the good guys actually turned out to be the bad guys. <laughs> right. And so we should probably be careful which labels we throw, right? Good right. onto and bad onto and determining who's in and who's out. Cause that's what I love about this parable. It gathers fish of every kind, right? Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's indiscriminate in who it gathers. Right indiscriminate kind of like jesus as we see him and who he gathered around the table and declared god's favor upon so you start to factor in some of these things right we, we get so caught up in good and bad but we have to hit a pause button and go well romans says that the opposite of the opposite of sin isn't virtue the opposite of sin is faith yeah it's faith right and so again we pull back and go man just in light of like these stories in light of who jesus is who he gathered who he spoke to what he declared to be the opposite of all that we think is bad and ugly and the problem in this world. And we throw that into this factor that he says, my, my kingdom is grabbing a hold of every single thing that exists and it's pulling it to shore. And in the meantime, there's a, there's a, there's a role I think that he's invited us to play into, but it's definitely not the sorting of what's what it's yeah. not the kicking out right of who's in and who's out. Another thing, too, about this parable, and I don't think that, you know, we don't shy away from um, words of, of judgment at all. Um, you know, like um, time is, is not, a, it's not a circle. It's not a cyclical thing. Like it's coming to an end. It's like an arrow that hits its target. There is coming an end, and we could see here that there is an in and an out, but that's not our work. What I love about parables of judgment is people start included they don't start excluded. And it's usually the thing that excludes them is the missing out of what's something that's already true or the misjudgment of the, of the main character of the parable. So for instance, in Matthew mm -hmm. 25, like the, the wedding feast is, is a classic example. Here you have these people and they got, right, five wise, five foolish virgins. And the only reason that the foolish virgins are called foolish is they didn't pack extra oil because they actually expected the bride and the groom to show up on time for their reception. Right? Like when's the last time you were like, all right, honey, cool. Like we're going to this reception starts at three, better pack an extra, like, you know, suitcase of sandwiches and food just in case this thing doesn't go down. Right. Yeah. We, we, we might not, they might not even show up till midnight. 
Yeah, and, and not only that, if the wise virgins are, are, are such an embodiment of the kingdom, then what's up with you not sharing your oil with the people next to you? <laughs> I always wondered about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and not only that, they tell them, hey, oh, hey, go find yourself uh, some oil. Yeah, well, if you actually look at the parable, it's like pretty much like midnight, and I don't know of any small businesses, especially in small Jewish towns that are open at midnight selling oil. Right. So they don't want to share. They're clueless as to how small businesses work, and they're just kind of snobby. <laughs> And yeah. the thing is like they, they, what happens is they get wrapped up in this idea that somehow I'm not good enough. It's not good enough that I got invited by the groom himself to this party. I need to somehow fix myself. I need to somehow make sure I look as good as these people next to me. And so they leave to try to better themselves instead of just depending on the sheer invitation. So they started included. They excluded themselves by just, just a misjudgment of the character of the one who invited them in the first place. And I think you see that here too. Like people start included before they're excluded. Yeah. 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 And I think we miss that, man. I think we miss, we miss who Jesus is right in this story. We miss what he's saying because so often our love of, of, of this, of this law and our ability to use it to measure ourselves and others and taking that and then turning the movement of Jesus into a religion that's almost a void, right? Yeah. In terms of, think, of who he is and what he's like, this one who says, no, my kingdom is pulling every single thing to shore. Everyone's right. included. Right. Right. I'm a king but, that finds you lovely. Come to the party. Yeah. Oh, you ran out of oil? Why? I already love you. Okay, so you're out of oil. No big deal. Why would, you, why would you be so foreign in your understanding of me that you would actually leave at midnight under the insane proposition that there would be a store open? <laughs> I think that one of the reasons why God's able to invite both wise and foolish to a wedding, the reason he's able to enfold into his kingdom both the good and the bad, is because he's already done a reconciling work, which comes back to where we started this conversation, that all things in heaven and on earth are reconciled and God has made peace. He's disarmed himself. He's done something with the nature of who he is that has to do something with sin. He can't just sweep it under the rug. And he has done something in mm -hmm. his son. He's disarmed himself, or as, as Capon says, he has put a permanent gone fishing sign right over the door of religion. And I mentioned that last week, but I just think it's just such a good, a good image. Um, and so when we're talking to somebody and when we're getting to know them and we're building trust and they're starting to really open up about how they view God and how they view church and maybe even some of the stories and some of the, some of the things that have happened or they've done that have, that have brought them to where they are, we're actually able to share the God of the Bible and the Jesus of the scriptures and compare it to what they've been handed. It's such good news, right? And it's such, it's so freeing to be able to, to look at them and in good confidence in, in my heart, know that they're already home free before they even began, that it's already true. And it's a reality that's fixed. It's right under their nose. It's already true. They just need to, like God needs to do a work to open up their eyes and by faith, just be at the table, see the feast, see the love and just say yes to something that's already right there. Yeah.
I think that's like why listening is just so important in this too, is because so often, at least what I've felt and what I've seen is that no matter what someone's problem is, no matter what they might have going on in their lives, we think there's this like one size fits all response. Like, you know, someone's marriage is on the rocks and you're like, Oh, well, Jesus died and came back to life. Right. And it's like, (laughs) I mean, it's like going to the doctor and you like got this huge gash and he tries to like give you a, 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 you know, just a pill and go home. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not the right response. But when we actually listen to what's going on in people's lives, we can respond with something that's actually good news for them, not just some band aid that we have been taught to say over and over. Right. Yeah. We get to, and we get to be present, right? And we get to listen, you know, as we often say, because the king really is at hand. Because the kingdom's at hand. There's a, an illustration that we use, right, in our network that I think really puts, like, flesh on this, this truth. It's from the movie Hook, which is the best Peter Pan movie because of who? Robin Williams. There's this, there's this scene in Hook, and you guys know the story. Pan's older now. He's lost his imagination. He's a lawyer. And he ends up in Neverland, and he's really struggling with who he used to be. He meets the Lost Boys, and they're in his, in his mind childish and foolish and doing mm. things and, you know, getting on skateboards on half pipes and being reckless. And he's always – telling them they're silly and foolish and childish and all the rest. And so this all comes to a head um, at the dinner scene. And so Pan sits down, all the lost boys are there. He's so hungry and they start to bring out all the pots, all the pans, all the plates. And from the lost boys perspective, it's a feast, right? Turkey and, and, rainbow colored mashed potatoes and like that piece look fantastic man as a kid it make you hungry every time you watch that movie i've always wanted rainbow colored mashed potatoes but anyways pan doesn't see anything because his imagination hasn't been restored and so we always use the his pan's imagination as analogous to to faith in the story pan hasn't awakened yet right to the to this reality of this feast right under his nose and so he gets into this uh shouting match with Rufio and Rufio's like the man that kind of like took Pan's place in his absence. And they start doing this insult match, you know, calling him like, you know, a booger face maggot sandwich and all this other like real oh, stupid stuff. And, and Pan's like, you talk to your mother with that, you know, mouth and you, know, <laughs> you got a pot, you got a, the phrase he uses, you have a cock out mouth. Which is <laughs> so so good. Out, when Ru- Rufio says something, they're all like, oh, and then Pan says something, they're like, boo and so he's not getting it but pan in this moment a a light switches right for him uh uh, it's Mm. starts to get a little angry and he starts coming back at at rufio and he starts to win the insult match and he's getting like restored back to his his rightful place as pan he's discovering right who he was always meant to be and in an act of faith because he knows the lost boys can see the feast but he can't in an act of faith, he takes a spoon and digs it into an empty dish, cocks it back and flings rainbow colored mashed potatoes at Rufio's face and the mashed potatoes land on his face. And he finally is awakened to the See, spit that's been um, under his nose the entire time. Yeah. And that's just such a cool, vivid picture. I think when someone actually does awaken to the King, 
whose kingdom is present everywhere, the one who's already done all the reconciling work. And instead of standing off to a distance with arms folded, eyebrows down, waiting for you to make a move towards him, he actually made the first move toward us by becoming flesh, by living, dying, and rising. And he set a table before the world to come and dine with himself and with others yeah. who know they're broken, foolish, and flawed, right? Just like the rest of us who come by faith, who come in the childlike nature of faith, right? As the world is outside, like it's really captured by Robin Williams and his, his lawyer persona, right? This is foolishness, right? And that's what the world does. It says this is foolishness. But that's just the wisdom of God, the foolishness of faith to come to see that we're not impressive in and of ourselves and to admit our death, but to admit that we're loved and to wake into that and see that and to take our place at the table. There's always been a seat for us. We've always, always been reconciled, but to yeah. awaken to it by faith and enjoy the feast. Yeah, you don't have to pull up a chair, right? It's, it's not pull up a chair. It's, it's not, uh, you know, some act that you or I need to do. We're not saying that everyone enjoys this reality, right? Right. We're not saying that everyone is, is living in relationship to God. Um, Cause we know that as the scriptures point to like the need for faith, right. To awaken, which is, you know, exactly what we see in the story of hook. We're more or less just painting this picture of, of, from the scriptures, this Jesus creator, sustainer, God, who is life and truth in the way, has gone on to reconcile all things, making peace by the blood of his cross and set this table, you know, as, you've, as you spoke to, Tony, and it's by faith that we awaken, it's by faith that we enjoy a feast that's been under our nose. And I feel like that totally ties into Mark 1 even, right? Where Jesus, oh, yeah. you know, in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he says, hey, the kingdom of God is at hand right? AKA right under your nose is the kingdom of God. And that King, right? The King who's standing before you is the kingdom. There's nowhere on earth you're going to go and escape him who is life creator and sustainer of all things by which all things find their very being. And so since you can never go anywhere in this world to escape the King, neither can you ever escape the kingdom because the two are one. And this reality is, and it's something that he's done, and it's somewhere that we dwell. And I love where Jesus in that passage goes on and says, so repent and believe this gospel, he says. Mm. Repent, which literally just means to, to change one's mind. I know depending on your background, it can mean like get your act together or go do these three things and, you know, et cetera. But the word repent just means to change one's mind, to, to, to stop thinking and believing that God is far off and you need to go do A, B, and C to come into his presence and realize that God has always been and you've never existed outside of him. Change your mind about these things and believe this good news, Jesus says. Yeah. Enjoy it's like the this first time. Food. It's like the first time I tasted a craft beer. Yeah, I man. repented of my Coors Light. <laughs> right. There's something, man, there's something powerful that happens when we grab onto this belief, this understanding that we're all guests at the table Jesus prepared, mm. not ushers, right? We're not the cook. We're not the host. <laughs> we're not even ushers. We're just fellow guests at a table in a kingdom that's pulling everything right to shore. And I think it changes our posture, man, as far as how we begin to see the people in and around us. And recognize the very presence of God that's already there before we ever showed up. Amen. And that's a game changer. Reclaiming that truth for our day is a game changer. 
and just having that language from the scriptures to be able to see and to share that. So we hope that you found these truths insightful. We hope that you found some language here um, that not only helps you discover some of the, uh, maybe a blue square around Jesus, reconciler of all things, right? A king and a kingdom that's present everywhere that we get to point to, right? A king that we get to relate to, as we often say, right? Not a king or a kingdom that we need to build or bring somewhere as if he's not already fully present before we ever showed up. May that be your story as you head into your week. Amen. Amen. Peace.